Hello and welcome to another edition of the Formula One Fans UK podcast. I'm Reese, and I'm joined today by Dan, Danny. We are here to review the Spanish Grand Prix, uh, get through the major talking points, and uh, we'll start with a big one, which was the sighting of Shakira in the paddock. Now, uh, d- this really picked up Mr. Sandoval's excitement here, didn't it, Danny? So uh, I'll let you start with this one. Um, it's always a pleasant surprise to see Shakira there. She is a uh, Barcelona legend. So, yeah, it's very just very interesting to see her there. Um, I'm surprised that uh, we didn't see PK come around the corner uh, at the track and start a custody battle there in the middle of the track. But so far, no problems. Yeah, I was half expecting a Gerard PK to make a, a, a storming Schumacher-style entrance into the Mercedes garage. It was uh, definitely nice to have something to look at. It's, it, it reminds me of the days of when Nicole Scherzinger used to visit the track. It was very, it was very nice, very nice to look at. Yeah, it was definitely uh, one of those ones where you're like, oh, Shakira's there. That's going to drive. Hmm? Didn't mean to cut you off. Sorry, cutting you off. Uh, who who was she there to see? I don't know. Maybe it was Lewis Hamilton. Um, because oh. you know we all know what happened with Miami. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it was something to say in F1 Twitter wild after a race that. It, <laughs> Sort of with Barcelona, what you always get is what you expect. It was all very Noah's Ark um, because that's the that's what the track lends itself to. Um, there was a shake-up in qualifying. Like qualifying was completely unpredictable. Yeah, 100%. It was nice to have a little shake-up within the qualifying leading to slightly different uh, order on the grid with like Lando up there and stuff like that, obviously. That didn't work out too well for Lando, but yeah, it was nice to have something different going on throughout the field. Yeah, because like I say, we had a very sort of shaken up grid order. And whilst yeah, things did sort of settle themselves out in the end. So you had the McLarens running out the points. You had the Alfa Romeo's running out the points. You had... You know, the hat is falling back towards the back to be alongside each other. Williams being nowhere. It was sort of what you expected. Um, but I think this is this is where I call it. Um, guys, Max Verstappen is definitely the driver's champion this year. There is no hope for Perez. Um, and I'm so confident about that that I've booked a holiday over the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix weekend. That's a bold move this far out in the season. Honestly, we don't think uh, we're giving up on Perez already. Well, that qualifying performance was inexcusable, but by all accounts, I don't understand how you can be in that car and be struggling so much to put it through. Yeah, it's um, so two weekends in a row, right, with Checo. Supposedly king of the streets, couldn't get it done last week in Monaco, and now, now this week he has struggled again. And no struggles from the other side of the garage, of course. Max is just running his uh, championship season on um, course. He's got the perfect setup, perfect team, perfect designer, perfect strategist, perfect pit crew, 2.2 seconds compared to, I think, Hamilton, three seconds. I think um, Russell had like a 2.8. You know, there's um, there's this time being... Signs. What's that? Science was 2.9. Yeah, yeah, see, like... This is probably like the best that those teams could do. 
Uh, David Coulthard, uh, he was on F1 TV uh, commentating on there, and he said it doesn't, you know, there's no reason why these small teams, Haas, you know, Alpha, there's no reason they can practice their pit stops and and their times and get it down to 2.2 seconds consistently like Red Bull do. And that's true. We we saw like five years ago, Williams had the best pit uh, pit crew for a while. They were consistently in the two-second range as well. And uh, now we've seen Red Bull take over the past couple of years. So, you know, it's just the little things that Red Bull do and the big things that they do. And Max is just running away with it again. I think it also comes from uh, you have these great pit stops, but it's when everything goes perfectly. Uh, Verstappen now, he, I mean, this last race, he had no pressure on him whatsoever. So, you know, he could hit these marks properly in the pit box, not be trying to eke out that last, you know, perfect point, perfect point of braking, like probably the Mercedes drivers were, Sainz was, Perez was. They're all probably trying to, you know, even hit their pit crew at the last possible second. I just say, I just think it's one of those things. He's got no pressure on him at the moment, so what? Why not? You know, <laughs> why not have everything perfect? Uh. He just needs to make his uh, corners perfect because man was very close to the black and white flags, uh, which, which in all fairness, when you're 30, 20, 30, 25 seconds or whatever ahead, is there really a need to be to be pushing pushing that that you know that much? Well, I think it's the way that Max Verstappen is wired. Uh, he just doesn't have uh, he doesn't have like a a ninety percent or an eighty percent. He is. Oh wow, yeah, Dan. I can see why you're going. Oof, there. That's a that's a proper one in a Indy car. That is. He's gone. He's mounted that like Lewis Hamilton mounts Shakira. Oh, she was there to see him again. Yep. <laughs> she was definitely there to see him. Yeah. <laughs> we we really need to stop watching NASCAR and uh, Indy car while we're producing F1 podcasts. Um, <laughs> I'll get back to it, goodie bro. Uh, pretty much what I was saying was, yeah, Max Verstappen is wired in that way that he's 100% all the time. He doesn't, he doesn't come and take his, like, he doesn't back off, does he? Um, and I'm starting to wonder who actually owns the team because his team radio today, not only with um, in the race, but even in practice, a phone was ringing and um, it. I'm not sure if you if you heard this, but he, he heard a phone ringing and realised it, it was it helmets. He was like, "Is that helmets phone ringing? Someone's phone's ringing. I can hear someone's phone ringing." I was like, "It's like the boss telling off like his young employee who forgot to turn off turn his phone onto silent at work." It was hilarious. But then he's talking back to his engineer, who says, "Okay, Max, you've done your fastest lap. Now can you um, just bring it back home within the white lines?" And he goes, "Yeah, yeah." I'm like, okay. I think Verstappen really does own that team, and um, I mean, this season it does feel like it's Max Verstappen's world, and we're all living in it. Oh, a hundred percent. But coming back to the pit stops, um, was it Haas that had both of the the rear jack mistakes, or was it just one one of them? The two? Haas definitely had one rear jack failure. it was weird because it's like two guys went in at the same time with the rear jacks. It was like at the last second they go, oh, no, that's broken quickly. You go in instead. But it was yeah, it made no sense. It isn't something we've seen uh, very often uh, over, you know, the last 
good couple of years. We haven't really seen any anything like that happening. You know, we always see them standing there, and you, I, I've always thought to myself, what what a quality job you get to go all around the world, and you only have to do your job if someone else messes up theirs. Like Christy, right? Got me. Like. Now, I think the best job in the F1 pit crew is the guy who has to lean over and just steady the car from the side. That's got to be the yeah. piss easiest job in the world. And they employ two of them. <laughs> yes. Are you, are you over 5'11 so you can reach the middle of the car? Yes. Okay. You've got a job in the middle of the pit crew. That's just, why Yuki Snowder had to be an F1 driver and not a pit stop crew. <laughs> I mean, have you seen the, which NBA player was it that he? Um, was uh, with? He was like seven Porzingis. four or something, wasn't he? Like just Porzingis. towered over him. It was ridiculous. Yeah, it was Kristaps uh, Porzingis. He was a uh, was a Serbian, I think he is. But it's hilarious. I mean, because got my girlfriend started watching Formula One now, so she's been watching the races with me, and uh, she couldn't believe how small Yuki Tsunoda was. My wife always says, "Oh, how he's so cute." He's fiery though, isn't he? He's uh, he's apologised again for losing it over Team Radio. Yeah, well, um, I I don't know. Going back to Monaco, I believe that was unnecessary. The radio call, and he lost two spots. Immediately lost his concentration, and you saw he lost two spots. Uh, and then this week as well. But I don't know if we want to get into that, his penalties today was just yeah. beyond ridiculous, beyond beyond ridiculous. That was um, that was racing at, at its core. Uh, Yuki defended the track. I, I don't think there's any F1 driver, past, present, or future, that would that would reject that call or would have something to say about that move that he did on uh, Joe. But here we are. Well, I think it's also bringing up the you know it's bringing up stewarding decisions in the forefront again. Well, yeah, it, it feels like we're almost a bit of a VAR sort of moment with. With Formula One because it was the stewarding that was the issue here. It wasn't it wasn't the actions of Joe Brown you at all. I mean, he went off wide and any other driver, even Yuki Tsunoda, if he had had that done to himself, would have been complaining, saying he's pushed me off because that's the way these guys work. They if they get they will take every advantage they can get. And. Yeah, Joe was not forced off, but he would be right to think he was. Um, I just thought, I thought Yuki defended it perfectly. And it was a shame because that was a really good, fun battle to watch. Yeah. I don't know. I just felt there were several drivers you could watch in this race. You can have the camera pointed at Yuki. You can have it at Hulkenberg. Uh, you can have it at Gasly, Ocon. These, guys, these drivers, every lap, either were either passing somebody or were getting past themselves. And it was just a constant battling throughout the uh, throughout the race. I think uh, that was a saving uh, grace of this uh, race today. Um, that factor of having a lot of battles throughout uh, throughout the grid. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we saw a great movement from Russell, which you know he didn't win employee the driver of the day uh, employee of the day employee of the day for Mercedes. Um, but damn, went from 12th to to third. Uh, you know, great, great drive from him. Great drive from Mercedes driver. Um, you know, Perez, another driver who overtook a whole bunch of people, ended up in fourth as well. So just really great, great uh, race to see. To be fair, though, I enjoyed the Piastri and Gasly uh, fight for quite a while. That was a yeah. good set of decent racing. You know, um, 
good it, it was good clean racing as well it wasn't no dirty uh no no, no dirtiness involved in that but also coming back to like uh yuki and that um every single driver that feels like they get pushed off they instantly run to the to, to the principal and they're like you know oh, can, can we get that looked into oh he's done this he's done that it's like they do it all the time they you know they are they are looking for you know for that opportunity for it to be reviewed and for that you know that steward to favor them when you know they really shouldn't be because it's you know you, you either want good driving so that you know they're gonna drive like this or nobody's gonna bother if they keep getting penalties what's what's the point yeah i agree it's there was a lot of good aggressive driving and i mean going back on the point what danny was saying you're you're right there were drivers that just seemed to have the action and follow them anywhere um i think it's a weird one that some cars have much better qualifying pace than race pace ferrari Haas, and um and McLaren all seem to be those teams that have excellent qualifying pace in comparison to their their race pace. But it does provide some action because we are seeing those cars get overtaken as they drop through the field. And I thought Hulkenberg today was brilliant to watch because he was really getting his elbows out of everyone, even Perez, which was uh, hilarious because it was the most pointless battle of the of the lot. But he, he just tried it with everyone. And I, I really like to see that because there's too much of this oh, his car's faster than mine, so I'm just going to let him through because it's not the person I'm racing. No, fight for every spot, you know. Entertain us. It's a sport. So what, do you, um, what are your thoughts on Fernando Alonso giving up so early? It was one of those weekends for him, wasn't it? It just didn't go right. He picked up the damage in qualifying. Um, credit to Lance Stroll, though, for heeding the call of, I think, every single Formula One podcast out there, ourselves and every other one I listen to, um, everyone sort of was raising the questions of Lance Stroll and uh, he did respond this weekend. I thought he had a solid weekend. Uh, that was where the Aston Martin needed to be or was going to be. You know, he delivered it because in, in the past, the last few races, he's not delivered what the Aston Martin's potential has been. But, you know, well done, Lance Stroll for, you know, getting the maximum out of the car today. Yeah, 100%. And uh, props to Alonso as well with his... Um cheeky little comment of you know just tell Lance I'm not gonna I'm not gonna push the situation with him um and bringing those cars home uh like obviously like back to back uh, you know grid grid positions etc getting the maximum points that they could in, instead of getting into a potential uh battle that didn't need to be fought within their team you know they brought both cars home um safe and with points but obviously from Alonso's point of view he could have done with that extra point in the drivers championship but you know he played the team game and he sat behind Lance and you know they they, they come home together yeah and it was quite I'm not gonna lie when I heard Alonso say he was not going to attack I did have backing moments I was thinking He's not going to attack. He's going to claim he's not going to attack. And he's going to give him some uh, advice on bank balance. Lance Charles is going to go off and he's going to be like, ha ha ha, silly boy. Like he, <laughs> like he usually doesn't um, shoot past. But no, there was no gains from Alonso today. Um, I would have thought that they, he might have wanted to put a bit more fight up, being his home race. But him and Signs neither looked to have like the um, the fight about them today. 
on Alonso as well, um, the fight that he was in with Ocon as well, the way that he was defended there, you know, there's still definitely no no love no love lost between Ocon and Alonso. Yeah, if there was going to be a penalty today, I thought it was going to go Ocon's way on driving standards. Hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, Ocon seems to be in quite good form at the moment, so I'm not surprised he was fighting hard. But with Alonso behind him, I think he was inclined to fight too hard. But it could have been, it could have been a big one. Could you imagine if you were the driver who caused Alonso to crash? You would not be, um, you would not be leaving Barcelona without a very very, very large security escort. It happened again. Everyone finished the race. Um, I personally feel that... I don't bet on it, everyone <laughs> finishes the race. It's, it's, like, it's like a sick joke for Dan and his sky bet balance. It's like me when I bet on Verstappen, he doesn't actually win the race. It's what I've learned. What we've learned is that I need to bet on Verstappen. You need to bet on everyone finishing the race. And that way, we'll start getting some uh, some good races with lots of drama. I might have to start betting on Man City to win then, and then they might start losing. Because, yeah, it hasn't been a good weekend. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it is if Stafford's going to win the title this year, I might as well get some money out of it. You're going to be seeing a lot of Man City next, couple, uh, next week as well. Yes, um, I'd like to say that we are all Italian now. Um <laughs> I mean, Dan is sweating like it's Sardinia. <laughs> um, who are they playing? Internationale. Ah. Internationale. Yes. Uh, anyone but say. <laughs> yeah, it was a. <laughs> and I only say that as a bit of United fan. <laughs> I say it as a bit of Liverpool fan. The 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 truth is, and the sad fact is, I was like. I'd rather Man United won the cup on sat on a Saturday than Man City. Uh, didn't get my wish. But every time we win it, ev- 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 everyone acts like it's the Mickey Mouse Cup and no one wants to win it anyway. Well, that's part of the joke. But then as soon as Man City win it, it's like, yeah, congratulations. Well, well done, well done, Man City. Yeah, fuck you, Man City. Doesn't Man <laughs> have the most FA Cup wins? Uh, Arsenal. But yeah, back to the Formula One podcast. Um, <laughs> Oh dear. I mean, Danny, if you're uh, if you're going to make an F1 bet to try and spice things up, knowing that when you bet it, well, it's not going to come in. What are you going to bet on? A sure bet or a far out bet? It's a sure bet, but as soon as you bet on it, it doesn't come in. Well, look, I I did have a sure bet, and I was in a bet that Hamilton resigns with a Mercedes after seeing the results of today's race, after seeing the performance of the car. And and Russell's potential performance. Hamilton resigns immediately. Maybe tonight. Maybe tomorrow morning. Yeah, I think the the concerns of the overdriving comments from Monaco have been left in the past because that Mercedes looks like the second best car. Um, it qualified okay. Um, you expect it to be behind the Ferraris because the Ferrari is a great car in qualifying spec if it's being driven by Sainz and not Leclerc. And um, that that's one for me. I just don't understand why Leclerc struggled so much yesterday. That's a driver that um, I feel like he's lost his head for a second. Yeah, unexplainable. Uh, a driver with Leclerc's talent. At this point last year, he was he had just lost the lead in the championship race in the in the battle, 
and just to see him struggling um is what sixth place in sixth or seventh in the standings in the driver's standings yeah, yeah it's it's just one of these ones that it's a terrible season for ferrari and um i know we were talking before about how decide how science is wanted for the audi project um if he doesn't want to do ferrari as leclerc's number two well if leclerc doesn't pick it up i can't see why science can't be the number one driver at ferrari and leclerc is the who was the darling poster boy of ferrari has to start you know scratching around for where he's going to get a number one drive but i think it's just you know he's eventually feeling that ferrari pressure because they, you know, they do, they do expect a lot. They expect results from every single person in their team, driver, uh, team principal, you know, everybody. And I think he's just starting to, to feel that pressure. And hopefully, you know, with his driver, coach, team coach, all this sort of stuff, he can get through it. And he comes back and he starts putting his his weight within the team. But I don't know. I think mentally, until he gets himself sorted, he, you know, we're just going to keep facing these stupid mistakes and not becoming much help to signs. Yeah, you're right. And um, I think the thing is to say, signs said he had more pace in the car and he could push more and take more out of these tyres. Why didn't he? Why? Where was that? performance that he said he had in reserve because it just didn't feel like it was anywhere he was passed easily by Hamilton um easily by Russell easily by Perez it it felt very very underwhelming from being a science fan I was like oh there's so much potential here especially when he got elbows there with Verstappen at turn one I thought oh pretty he might really be up for it today he might be able to hang on but no it was just never an option and he uh, fell far away um, didn't uh, Max start on a harder compound compared to Sainz, or were they both on the same? Because I think, yeah, because yeah, I'm pretty sure Max was on a harder compound. So yeah, I I expected him to take him off the line. In all fairness, um, but obviously not. I want to put my prediction as we were talking about the bets quickly about that if we bet on it, it's basically not going to happen. I want to bet on no rain for the British Grand Prix. <laughs> I wonder what odds you can get on that. British weather. I mean, I'd like to see it. I think we, we were promised rain today, weren't we? We were told 40%. Well, we weren't promised, but we were told 40% chance. And I was watching the weather forecast and it said it was raining. And it was actually just one of those typical ones where it rained everywhere but the racetrack. No, no, no. It did rain within Russell's helmet with his sweat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That comment creased me up. I was like, "Where, where's the rain? I started getting a bit like, oh, yeah, like, you know, let's bring the rain on. No, it just turns out it's uh, sweat within Russell's helmet at 200 miles an hour. He got he got Christian Horner, though, didn't he? You see Christian Horner reaching behind him on the pit wall, feeling for rain. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like they uh, were coming up with some kind of way to get some funny... Um, some funny driver comments over the radios and that it was hilarious yeah save that one for the end of season compilation but the funny um, the funny thing is he said it was rain in turn five if you guys see you see the map of uh barcelona turn five um kind of like in the infield he said turn one or turn five i'm pretty positive that when he come on instead of about rain, it, it was turn one 
had twice. Mm, turn five. Oh, you said turn five. Yeah, because turn five, yeah, turn five turn is five. in the middle of the track, essentially. Yeah, which would have been why it, it triggered some reaching behind on the pit wall. Yeah. Like, it would have made sense if it said, you know, turn three, which is top, you know, top left if you're looking at it from the straight running, you know, right to left. Speaking about yeah. Russell, um, obviously with Mercedes, that Mercedes today, I was, you know, it may be a complete, uh, you know, fluke, but the car's looking better. It's looking better. It's looking faster, and it's looking more stable. So hopefully we get some, some progression within that, and some, some, uh, some better races from Mercedes. Hopefully. Yeah, I agree, and I'm, I'm hopeful. Um. I don't know. The one thing I never see or hear is Red Bull upgrades. So I wonder if they really did go all out the start of the season, use all their allowances for this year on this year's car and have been are going to pour all of their other CFD and their wind tunnel time for the rest of the season. I wonder if they are going to pour that into next year's car because this penalty that they've had, um, it's not (laughs) if they manage to win out the entire year, which wouldn't surprise me. It's really not worked. But I guess that's one. I wonder what odds you can get on that. A, a, a bet for Red Bull winning every race this year. I wonder what odds they'd offer you on that now. Whatever the odds were, I'd probably still end up losing all my money. But I guarantee it'd be a lot better than it was before. See, guys, this is why we need a uh, video podcast on YouTube, etc. Because it clearly looks like Reese is researching the odds. I am researching the odds. <laughs> um, so that we can have a statistic to put in here instead of me just saying I want to win more money. I'm just trying to find it. Um, Some uh, other Mercedes news. Um, Hamilton did praise Mick, Mick Schumacher for his um, for his testing capabilities in, in the factory. I've just found the odds. And this is actually, well, this is outdated odds as well. This is back on the 21st of March. Um, the odds then were four to one. So they're going to be even shorter now. I reckon I reckon we might not be far off getting evens on this. Um, oh, I can't believe I mean, I can't believe it. But here's one for you. Um, we were talking about Ferrari and how it's been a while since they've you know won a championship. To put some cons- some you know perspective in there for how long it's been since Ferrari last won the drivers' championship. Tottenham Hotspur have won a trophy more recently, and I'm not talking about the Audi Cup. I'm talking about a proper trophy. That's 2007. 2008 was Tottenham's last trophy, and uh, yeah, Ferrari's last championship, 2007. Driver, 2008 for constructor. There have been people who weren't even born, who have been born, and can now get their provisional driver's license in the UK. There are people who were in. I'm pretty sure Germany has a drinking age of 16, which means there are kids who weren't born who can now legally drink in Germany. The last time Ferrari won a. <laughs> They're probably going to want to drink if they support Ferrari. So it's kind of a good mix, you know. <laughs> they kind of go hand in hand if you're German and you support Ferrari. Poor Ferrari. Um, or Ferrari fans. Ferrari, uh, there's one for you. Okay, Dan, what's going to happen next? Tottenham win a trophy, a proper trophy, like a domestic or a European. Or Ferrari win a driver's championship. What's going to come first? Top men winning the trophy, realistically, because I really can't see, uh, like, unless there is massive progression before the 2026 rules, I can't see them 
I, I can't see them getting up there with enough points. Do you know to even finish within the the top three? But you know, it's 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 saddening really to see what such a force they were to what they are now. It's it's like watching. It's not as bad, but it's the same as that severe drop off within one season of. Uh, Mercedes literally winning everything for a good nine years or so, and then bam, that well, shit. I'd say Ferrari really are Tottenham when you think about it, because they were like they were right on the cusp of you know they challenged Verstappen properly for a good while last season, and they could have really being champions, everyone's like, oh, maybe they can, maybe they can, maybe they can. And that was Tottenham when they made the Champions League final. Then the middle of the season, they lost it and everything fell to shit. They couldn't manage themselves anymore. And they're in the mess they are currently, where they look wholly uncompetitive compared to even Mercedes, who started by, they've been leapfrogged by Mercedes. But it's the thing, like, did Grosjean comfortable? What did he do? Grosjean's Grosjean. No, he, 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 he locked up and went deep. When turn one? Are you no final? Uh, well, the final corner before the pit lane. Oh, okay. I'm ahead of you. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Sorry, Dan. Uh, interrupting you there, but yeah. Grosjean gonna Grosjean. Um. Oh wait, and that's interrupt again. I'm sorry. Uh, but uh, Julian Palmer Palmer today was roasting it a little bit during um during the race. Was saying uh. His incident that he had in 2018 in Spain outside of turn three where he smoked his tires and caused a pileup of Hulkenberg. Well, he was yeah. just saying, you know, just commenting on his racecraft and saying how he's not spatially aware compared to, uh, you know, a driver like Alonso, who, you know, was in the back of the grid for a long time and, and learned how to battle back there. And, and drivers like Grosjean didn't. It's quite strange considering Julian Palmer also spent a lot of time at the back of the grid. <laughs> Um, and didn't really learn how to, you know, drive well enough to keep his seat. Other, other comment? Uh, wait, go ahead, Dan. I'm sorry. I mean, we cut you off earlier, and now we keep on going. Oh, no, I was just going to say about J- Julian Palmer, um, in all fairness, Julian Palmer makes a better uh, F1 commentator than he did ever an F1 driver. So I'm, you oh, know. That's pretty low. Yeah. So I'm happy, you know. <laughs> that he's made it to the F1 TV and that because his racecraft was shit, but his knowledge and his understanding of the sport and the race car is second to none. Yeah, he has got a good experience of that. He did beat a Valtteri in Singapore, finished ahead of a Mercedes once in his career. That was the wet race, wasn't it, though? Yeah, 2018, 17, right? Yeah, um... That race was bonkers anyway, wasn't it? I mean, Hamilton started sixth, won the race because the front three wiped each other out. And Alonso. And Alonso, yeah. That's what we need. We need we need some so we need some of that shit. <laughs> like let's just let's just wipe out the top three and see what happens. Chuck in some rain showers and such and just you know fuck it let's have some snow bro as well let's put everything in there and just see what happens well we, yeah. we nearly got that during covid didn't we up in uh in germany um but no i mean the way i see it is i would have settled today if i would have settled for signs 
lunging on Verstappen, having an accident, and even though my favourite driver would be out of the race, um, I'd be he able to. Know, he would get he would get the driver of the day vote <laughs> if he did that. I think he actually would get the driver of the day vote. Um, do you think Hamilton deserved it, driver of the day? No. Um, I just think he he did. You know, I just think he got lucky. He did well. Um, to he did well to stay out of the first few little incidents because it could have gone a lot worse if Lando had hit him a lot harder. Um, he he managed to get away with that pretty much unscathed. In all fairness, if I was going to give, well, obviously my vote to the driver of the day, I didn't do it live. Um, I would have given it to Perez, but that's just my personal my personal preference. No, I wouldn't have given it to Perez. You saw how Verstappen was able to come through the field um, on a DRS with a lot of DRS, and I mean the DRS was very powerful today, and Perez didn't have an answer for Mercedes. Um, I mean, this is the difference in this championship, and this is why I say it's over already. When Verstappen doesn't win a race, he finishes second. When Perez doesn't win the race, he doesn't finish on the podium. That's the difference. Yeah, and you kind of see that in those years, um, like Hamilton's dominance. If he didn't finish first place, he was on the podium. And there were several races where he would give up the lead because strategically it didn't matter for him to push hard at the moment, to push the engine. And he would gladly become come in second or third. And we see it with Max, too. If he's not in first place, he's second. There's no third, fourth, fifth, a ninth place in Hungary last year, I think. That's the only terrible result he's had. That was the... um, When he was hit, right? Or two years ago, I'm sorry. That was two years ago, yeah. Max Verstappen has won 15 in the last 21 races. Yeah, insane. Yeah, but I still reckon, and what was it, 11th to 4th is better than a 5th to 2nd. You know, coming coming through the field. Yeah, okay, yeah. He didn't have the he didn't have the answer for the Mercedes. Um, but I think you expect him in that car when you saw what Max Verstappen was doing in that car. You wouldn't expect him to not have an answer for everything because that car is that good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a, a shout for driver of the day. Um, I think it could have been. Um, I, I think it could have been Russell because Russell came from further behind than Perez and finished ahead of him. Yeah, Russell started 12th. That is, yeah, in the third that's, an, that's, that's actually pretty fair. I, I will give you that one. But guys, that is why it's called an opinion. We're all allowed to have one. Whether I'm right or wrong, doesn't it, it doesn't matter. Whether we've had no sleep and we come out with stupid opinions, it doesn't matter. We just, we just you know, we just ignore Dan we keep on going. That's just how that that's just how we roll, guys. That's it. It's that it's that simple. Yeah, it's uh let's say opinions are like arseholes. Everyone's got everyone's got them, but Dan's are fueled by caffeine. <laughs> by wings. Yes. Sadly, sadly, it's fueled by Red Bull. Like You enjoying the ball semen, are you? <laughs> uh I, I was why, why, why have you got to be like that, bro? You're like these people that are like, do you know what's this, in sausages and you still eat them? I have no issues with what's in sausages. I'm just saying I, w- I don't drink Red Bull. I don't drink those energy drinks because I know what's in them. But obviously you don't know how to move a segment on Reese Chop Chop. Let's go. 
Well, chop, 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 chop. Well, what do you want to move on to? Do you want to move on to the best place to go get your 3D printed track wall art? Oh, where's that? Yeah, oh, that's a good you know place exactly to move on where to. that is. That is through the website of our show sponsor, Apex Tracks. For all your 3D printed track wall art needs, head to apextracks.com. That's A-P-E-X-T-R-A-X-S dot com. And I'm just going to say right now, um, Apex Tracks, the only thing that's uh, more beautiful than that was a McLaren saying, oh, no, what's going on there? What's happening to Pato? Oh, no. I love how we just, like, stop our whole podcast, guys, because there's some shit going on at IndyCar. If you're watching IndyCar, you know what's happening or happened. If you're not, uh, Paso Award has stopped just coming out of the pits. I feel like I've absolutely jinxed that. I was about to say anything. I was saying that the, uh, the 3D printed track wall art is so perfect and so brilliant and so wonderfully synchronized and put together, just like that McLaren double pit stop. And then, um, yeah, Pato stopped. So, um, yeah, we'd just like to say that if you need something reliable, um trust apex tracks don't trust <laughs> don't trust the arrow mclaren team don't trust mclaren um, don't trust mclaren for anything something i do want to bring up though um did you guys hear martin brundle talking about how there should be a potential time limit uh he referenced 100 seconds um for the drs deployment to make it more um to make it more like of a strategical uh, element to the race instead of just if you're within one second you open the you open the wing and you're, you're done yeah i agree um i think it would be an improvement on the current system i feel like it would really be interesting if you could do it that way of course he also said about removing drs from qualifying which I'm all for. I think that is definitely a good idea. My only issue is DRS push to pass, you know, these sort of things we talk about. Push to pass is a constant. It's the same for everyone. How you use it is up to you, but the advantage you gain is universal. DRS, it all depends on how well your car uses the DRS. So, Red Bull would be an advantage there because their DRS delta is exceptional. Um, you know, teams like Mercedes who haven't got such a great DRS delta, they would struggle more. And also, on that context, Max being in first would still get a hundred second of, of DRS. And you know, unless they're saying if you're first, you can't have DRS. But then is that, you know, that's obviously a more flawed system than the one we already have now. Yeah, and I think if you're if you're in first place, what you're doing, um, if you're in that situation, you'll go your first two laps without DRS, lap three, DRS at every opportunity, in lap, DRS at every opportunity, out lap, DRS at every opportunity. You know, that's what you do. You'd build up that lead immediately from the start. It makes you think though, if people like Martin Brundle are hypothetically uh discussing this scenario, that you know maybe that we you know we could see some changes coming to the to the drs function uh in the you know in the in the, in the near future because that guy has obviously got his finger on the pulse you know he's in he's well respected he, yeah he, he he's in with a lot of people like is this something that he's heard that you know 
he's just kind of floating out there to see if he gets a response from it from his broadcast and see you know uh, see what kind of response yes yeah, that's it yeah see, see, see what kind of response they can drum up from from that comment on the broadcast i fully agree that it was definitely the right thing to do for him to bring it up um and it has you know generated some buzz i mean we're talking about it for a reason um we've talked about it in the past for a reason as well um and could could it work well no there are some obvious flaws with the idea but at the same time it's an acknowledgement that you can you know improve things and there's a way to improve things and that's how you know that's how these things start there's talk about sprint races we all talked about the sprint races after the first few what could we do better why are there no points why can't more people get points etc 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 can you make it separate from the from qualifying and you know for me i'd go yeah i mean we talk about sprint races we'll we're going to touch on those in another another podcast further down the line another one of our special podcasts that we'll be releasing where we're trying to fix formula one um but yeah i, I mean perhaps to mike brennan for bringing it up and you know being someone with a voice actually trying to make something happen with it well i think i'm on the opposite end i'm i'm cool with changes to drs but i still think it shouldn't be to penalize red bull um i do like the drs no drs during a qualifying lap I think that would bring definitely uh, strategic advantages to some uh, some cars and some teams. Uh, we might see some teams get hurt by it. Ferrari, for example, they seem to have a really quick car in qualifying. How, who knows how this? Um, you know, if we take DRS in qualifying, it'll probably be ones that are affected the most. It's the trade-off, isn't it? Because the thing mm-hmm. is, you can, if you know you're getting DRS in qualifying, you can probably do what Ferrari are doing, which is putting a more draggy rear wing on. Um, knowing that the DRS is going to counter it. And when you get to the race, of course, if you're not within a second of the car in front, you've got that draggy rear wing and there goes your race pace. I've never understood why we allowed it in uh, qualifying anyway. I've never got why we would openly give a, like, you know, a significant advantage within within that session when we're only allowing in the race for it to be with if you're within a second i think the other thing was when it first came in drs you could use it in practice wherever you want on the track now what was the point in doing that if when it came to the qualifying in the race you can only use it in certain positions you know i think using drs anywhere with the 100 second limit would be the way to go uh, how do you police that of course because you know everyone is going to take it to the limit are you going to have a time with an auto shut off? How do you make that work? There's some technical things that people smarter than us will try and figure out. Yeah, I'm all for it. I think it's a better a better way of doing things, even if it does. Yeah, you might see a leader checking out. Um, I don't think if there was no Max Verstappen, the quality of the racing would have been any better, although it would have been more interesting to see a fight for first place. This technology obviously already pretty much exists within, uh, it, like within IndyCar with the, Push the pass. Uh, oh no, Pato! This this dude is not having a good day, folks. The he guy really... has stopped, and oh. he has crashed, and he has stopped oh. again. Pato has crashed. Ah, uh, you just can't rely on Mexican drivers, can you, right now? <laughs> that is a savage rip, especially when oh, I was trying hard. to. 
especially when I was having a, trying to have a good point made, uh, Pato, about how this technology already exists within IndyCar, and we already have teams or a team that are in IndyCar and Formula One. It can't be that difficult to shift that technology over. Oh, well, we've had it in the past with Kurs. Um, yeah. Exactly. So, stupid because it was six seconds a lap and everyone just used it in the same point but push to pass you know a, a race long time limit is the way these things should go i think I've, i i think we'll leave the drs and we'll see if brundle puts anything else out on twitter that we can salivate about and we'll leave that the rest of this subject to our special edition podcast yeah exactly um well with that i think we also might as well you know wrap up this podcast because i think we've, we've covered actually everything you can possibly cover about this spanish grand prix weekend um i will just give a, a shout out to formula two uh again fantastic entertainment and uh i look forward to next season when we can get um the new um formula one academy or f1 academy um coming on to support races um because I think that the way that you're having to pay for a, the way and how expensive race tickets are now, you might as well get as much track action as possible. I, I'd hate to go to a race and go like, oh, yeah, you've got one support race and it's the Porsche Super Cup. Brilliant. No, give us everything, you know. Um, oh, one last thing before we finish. Sebastian Vettel has been offered a job as, um, I'm trying to think what it is now. I'm trying to remember the exact title, but it's to do with um, sort of the, Director of Sustainability. That's it. Director of Sustainability. Um, He's going to have a trash compactor, a a solid pickup crew, a composter, (laughs) and he's going to plant 500 trees at every Formula One location. But in all fairness, he probably will. Um, But also, he might also do what we sort of set out to do with our special edition podcast, but we'll tease a little bit more um, with the new calendar, which is, you know, have the F1 circus fly around the world in an order that makes sense it's not a bad job job offer is it for uh picking up a little trash at um the british grand prix i think he's he's been that voice hasn't he um and and i really hope sebastian vettel does take the offer up because it's something he's passionate about um it's something passionate about myself and i think that we can you know if we can make formula one more sustainable um, we can also look at, you know, reducing the cost to the fan. Which is evidently what it's all about. You know, the cheaper the tickets, the cheaper the experience, uh, the more people you're going to get, you know, to, to turn up. Exactly. In, Bums on in, seats. In the long run. Bums on seats. Bums it. on seats are, the, are, are what, you know, make sport sport. Without anyone watching, what's the point in going racing? Apart from picking up Shakira. <laughs> I was going to say, going to the track, going to a race is a great experience. And, and to take it out of reach for several, to the majority of your fans, is not a good good idea. You're going to do what NASCAR did to to a lot of its fans in the late 90s and early 2000s when it exploded here. And it lost its core fans, right? Uh, yeah. So hopefully Formula One can use that as an example and, and move forward with that. Well, you look at Silverstone's gone crazy on prices this year, um, mm. but it's nothing compared to your local race, Danny. Of course, mm. Miami was uh, unobtainable. So yeah, 
but rather than moan about the price of F1, like we always do, um, we'll we'll wrap the podcast up. So if you've enjoyed what you've listened to today, um, check out the link in the bio of the podcast, uh, where you can find links to our all our social media accounts and more. And uh, yeah, until next time, thank you very much for listening. Cheerio, guys. See you later, guys. Peace.